Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. I'm going to be talking with top CEOs, creators, top entrepreneurs, and they're going to be sharing their mistakes, tools, tips, and insights to get you to get out of your bed and have a career that you love. This is Crazy Juicy Love Entrepreneurial Series. Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast with the entrepreneurial series. I have this incredible man in front of me. Uh, he's a chef entrepreneur, Chef James Akins. <laughs> welcome to the show. So happy to be on the show. Thank you for you. I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to have you on my show and, um, and just... Who you are for me is such an incredible man that is a go-getter and you're just, I just love having you in my life because you're just such an example of what it is to, to be an entrepreneur and really just despite anything, you just keep going for it and going for it and going for it and creating and creating. And you're such a creator and I'm glad to even have you in my life. Oh, thank you. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> hey, you know, crazy you should love being on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I'm a spot. There's a problem when you're when you're an entrepreneur coach. It's also your love coach. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your company, what you're up to. I know you have some really great new products. You can surely share them here and just tell me about, you know, first like Tell me about the name. It's very unique. Tell me about the name. Tell everyone your name of your company. All right. So our corporation is Ineffable Incorporated, okay. uh, which basically means unexplainable greatness, just okay. in case you're not sure about what the definition <laughs> is. I just like saying that because I'm cocky and arrogant. <laughs> I'm not being an introvert. I'm being arrogant. <laughs> but how, how did that name even come about? Like, it's a really un unusual and unique name, especially your logo, too. It's like very unique and beautiful and grounded and and i really love it so how did you even come up with that name well you know what i can't take credit for that my uh founding partner uh tobiah butler was actually a strong influence in all of the eccentric parts of the company that makes us us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so basically uh our vision that we came up with together was a concept that wasn't like your norm. You know, we're artistic, uh, we have an extremely open mind to the world, and we wanted to incorporate that in what we did. We didn't want to just be another stuffy company mm. that was unapproachable and, you know, basically made our clients feel like we were providing them with a service that was basically never that they can never reciprocate, <laughs> you know, whereas, you know, we just want to let people know, you know, that we're different. We're out there, you know, we're the ones that's involved. We keep, you know, our hands on the ground. And what we do is we provide an experience that can only be described by every single individual. Mm. And so what really makes your company stand out from the others? Like what makes you so unique? Hence your unique name. Um, what makes an ethical unique? I mean, basically, it's a collective of phenomenal chefs, business minds, consultants, sommeliers from across the world that 
come together to consult and create each and every opportunity that we are presented with. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, one of our one of our sommeliers is a master sommelier. You know, there's very few in the world and the knowledge and experience that he brings to the table. So when we talk about, let's say, something as simple as braising a meat, uh, you know, he'll say this wine would go perfect because of where it's from, where it's grown. So it's just stuff that normal people don't think about. And that's, you know, instead of just having people sit on your board or sit in an office, um, our people are out there every day in the fields, being the best that they can be in the fields. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and instead of the company being about me, it's more of being about us as a collective. Mm -hmm. And that's what Ineffable as the corporate umbrella was meant to be structured around. It's not necessarily, you know, we are ineffable. It's this concept is ineffable because it's ever changing, ever growing, and ever striving to be the top of its market. Right, well, and I also, you know, since I photograph and taste a lot of your food, um, there's something very unique too, is that one, you, you very handpick a lot of the things that you uh, create, and not only create, um, it's very creatively designed. So talk to me about like why is it important? Because not not well, actually, it's a real movement right now. I've seen food like creatively designing food the way it looks visually, tasting, and you know, I know you're very with very earth uh, themes. Mm -hmm. So why is that? Why, why is that important for you and the company? So I believe that, you know, our senses play a part of not only of what we consume, not just through taste. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing that you're going to see is you're going to see visually. And I'd like you to commonly associate the visuals on a plate with things that you would see in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everything from color schemes, uh, forces of nature, uh, any way that I can incorporate your everyday without putting it in your face, but being abstract, changing, mm -hmm. and just creating like little delineations that make things different. Mm -hmm. uh, I Another way that we start thinking is we also think very seasonally. Uh, I find that when you work with products that are in season, whether or not it's here in the States or overseas, anywhere I can get things shipped from that are in season in their individual regions, uh, it makes it easier for things to shine brighter, look better, taste cleaner, because it's not being manipulated or manufactured to be saved for months or years on end. And why is it important to you to reach out to local people and, and grab their food? I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's more about staying away from large industries and focusing on the ants, the worker bees mm -hmm. that keep things flowing. Right. Uh, you know, without them, we would not have any standards to be able to look up to because what we really look up to is, if you really think about it, just people that farm for themselves just for sustenance. Right. You know, and this is what the products look like. When we start mass producing, when we start over processing, you know, of course things are gonna start missing a few nuts and bolts along the way. And I don't really want nuts and bolts in my food. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. You know, that's so interesting is like uh, it, it really makes me think of Italy and how in Italy they're 
very conscious of like when you go to restaurants majority of the time the vegetables come from a farmer or the restaurant owner is farming themselves exactly and the pasta maker is only doing pasta themselves and the meat um the meat maker or the meat the, the butcher, butcher <laughs> is like um they're they only do meat they're not doing so many things and it makes a huge difference in the quality and of food and, and your body is digesting that. And I knew there's a huge difference when I came back to America and like, well, I was like, wow, like there's so many preservatives and things in food these days. So, you know, is that something that's important to you? Cause you want, part of the experience is you want people to experience this clean and fresh, the things that you just mentioned, like, why is that important to you? You can, cause anybody could just, most restaurants just go to any manufacturer and just pull off the shelf and just, Sell it. It's, so, so I mean, I think where that comes from is I, I'm not here for convenience, right? So I provide something that you have to look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market is saturated with things that are not good for us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But if you really want to find good food, good sustenance, like, for example, in Italy, you know, there's no reason to overfall. You know, there's no reason to overproduce mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, that just puts strain and labor on the worker. Mm-hmm. And now... You know, that worker's making less money for le- for for more product that's not even being used. Whereas now I can focus more on the quality aspect, right? The taste, you know, for example, um, I, I tell you this, uh, genetically modified items, I feel lack in flavor uh, compared to foods that are organically grown in small batches. Because why? Because the nutrients are very focused. Um, you know, the growth cycles, are, they pay attention to the growth cycles. For example, I went to Ireland. I go to Ireland constantly. Um, and the first time I was out there, I remember going to a butcher. The butcher owned the farm. And the meat literally just comes straight from his own farm. Mm. You know, and he only supplies, you know, the people in the town. Which means, you know, we're not having an abundance of animals being slaughtered. You know, we actually just have... You know, process of what you need, and then whatever's not needed is sold to another farmer who does need it. Mm. And I tasted every single vegetable <laughs> that that cow ate. <laughs> you know, every blade of grass. <laughs> you know, all that fresh air, that beautiful rain from Ireland. Was it that t- different? Oh my God! It tasted. Uh, you know, I didn't need to say if it was farm to table. It tasted farm. <laughs> Wow, you know, and I and that stuck with me, you know, and I really don't want to taste chemicals. I don't want to taste antibiotics, Uh, and I don't care what you say, you know, what anybody says. It doesn't taste. It flows through the blood system, through the bloodstream. Okay, how are you going to tell me that the blood that flows through muscles, arteries, tendons? So I mean, not tendons, but anyway, you get the idea. Yeah, you know, (laughs) how how is this not going to affect it in any way? It has to, you know. We have certain taste receptors. Other animals have taste receptors that are way higher than ours. How are you telling me that if a dog will not eat a specific piece of meat? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And it's also like good point. You know, one of the things that, you know, I don't know how I'll get in trouble for this, but you know, this whole thing about milk and like, well, if animals don't drink milk after a certain age, why are we still drinking milk? Exactly. You know what I mean? And like, um, and that's the other thing I noticed when I was in Italy, I was visiting a friend in Genoa 
and we were gonna go hiking on uh, Chico Terra. And he was, you know, I want to take you to this bakery and we're going to have some, you know, baked goods before we go on a trip. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm trying to stay away from like bread and stuff like that because it really hurts my stomach. He goes, this ain't America. That's right. (laughs) And I was like, okay, make a good point. And so we go to this bakery and like literally when you get off the train, I mean, you can smell this thing like a block away. Mm -hmm. So we go to this bakery, we get these, um, these pastries and bread for the trip. And I had no cramps. My stomach didn't hurt. Like, it, I was just so surprised. And I could never eat anything like that all day here. And I did not have one upset stomach, no cramps, no nothing. Usually I'm like in a knot. But like, I feel like it was a, a, a knot in my stomach when I eat things like that. And when I was in Italy, when I had that bread, I had never had any problems at all when I ate bread or pasta. I mean, I think our bodies tell us, you know, well, first of all, right, we drink the milk from our mothers, right? right. We don't drink the milk from other people's mothers unless we're, <laughs> unless we're in dire straits. Right. Right. <laughs> and we definitely don't go to other species and drink their milk, but then we choose to, right? right? Uh, it's just not, I don't see how it's a natural process. Uh, but I do tell you this, when I, when I make a sauce or something like that. That milk definitely comes in handy, right, and that yeah. cream is definitely. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, so, you know, it, it, I don't catch up with all the trends, uh, just because uh, you know I need to make money, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and um, you know. But uh, I definitely think that there are some. I mean, because I, I tell you this, I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> you know, so, but I drink milk in my coffee. I have a bowl of cereal. I will have some ice cream, <laughs> you know, but uh, I think it's just conditioning, you know, I right. think it's conditioning. But I will tell you this, the the milks movement, like cashew milks, the almond milks, the, you know, all the nut milks, you know, I love that movement because I have transitioned some of my bowls of cereal, not all of them. To, <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. To some almond milk, some cashew milk. Uh, and it's, I don't really taste it different. It's right. still the same smooth creaminess. You know, I just can't put that kind of milk in my coffee. Right. So talk to us about your new product that you're about to launch. <laughs> so I just recently signed on with a company, Jeans Wellness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're focusing on cannabis in Massachusetts, uh, specifically Provincetown. Can't really talk too much, but okay. we are doing some phenomenal products. Mm-hmm. We've been doing a lot of R&D as far as a lot of chocolate work. Our main focus uh, behind the food, and I can't really speak much, um, you know, without the spokesperson writing out my right. script. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're trying to focus on everyday products. Uh, we're trying to, you know, be your in-home needs for when you eat regular dinners. You know, we're trying to be... <laughs> yeah, we're trying to knock down the door. <laughs> to the recreational cannabis industry. Um, a lot of chocolates, a lot of confection. We're going to have to definitely go over this one again. Yeah, right? Yes. So anyway, what we're going to be focusing on is we're going to be focusing on everyday products, barbecue sauces, you know, and we're going to be coming out with some really cool products. Like, you know, I'm definitely thinking like a a, a peach and piquillo and like, um, 
you know, really funky flavors. Uh, we're going to be doing also uh, mayos, uh, different types of violis and stuff like that, shelf-stable. And we're also focusing on uh, mustards, condiments, hummuses, spreads, oh, wow. you know, uh, healthy options and alternatives to your everyday uh, you know, if we do use sugar, we're using cane sugar and in other substitutes, we're going to be using stuff like stevia. It's going to be a very health conscious line. Um, one thing that I've learned through the whole R&D process of cannabis is that everything that I've learned, all the Michelin restaurants I've worked in, all the experience that I've had working for some of the top caterers in New York, um, the experiences that I've had all across the world, uh, all that food knowledge now can be conditioned to work well with cannabis mm -hmm. you know there's no reason why i can't make a pasta sauce and alfredo there's no reason why i can't do an aioli there's no reason why i can't do coconut oils um you know and digestibles or even uh, suppositories you know it's basically you know everything that could be absorbed by the body that we currently do is my goal to focus on bringing to you on a cannabis level now why cannabis because it's all of a sudden it's a huge movement now like people are using cannabis and even a friend of mine he gave me some uh, cannabis jellies and i was just like oh, i don't know but I found that I slept better and my body felt so rested. And I actually purchased some um, hemp oil, which is not cannabis oil, but I took it today and I actually feel such a huge difference, you know, because I developed a little bit of arthritis in one of my left big toes and like literally not even in, in existence anymore. But I, and I have a couple of friends, specifically this one friend who, gave her dad a bottle of the cannabis oil and he dealt with a lot of back pain. And when he started taking cannabis, like the back pain just like stopped. So for me, why I'm, I'm curious about it because I know I have vitiligo and vitiligo is, uh, is somewhat of a product of inflammation in the body, specifically mm. in the gut. And I was doing a little bit of research and saying that how cannabis helps with inflammation. So I'm just curious to see what the, what, what the results can be. Just experiment a little bit. So why, why, why is cannabis important to you? Why is that starting to become a movement? Because there's a lot of research that's been coming out. Like cannabis has such healing properties. Uh, um, uh, so my, my, Love for cannabis comes from the fact that I was in a car accident seven years ago, coming home from my son's seventh birthday party. Uh, you know, we were sideswiped by another car. I started suffering like severe back pains. I was uh, diagnosed as being temporarily disabled. Um, you know, I, I had nerve damage all along the left side of my body. And I didn't want to pump my body full of medication and pills. You know, I you know, I already have back issues now. I have, you know, all these herniations and bulges and nerve damage. I don't need liver issues, kidney issues, right. stomach lining issues, so on and so forth. So I started looking into all natural homeopathic cures for inflammation, things like ginger, turmeric, um, you know, all the really good stuff that, you know, all these essential oils that are out there that are naturally extracted from, you know, everything that grows around us. And I kept on hearing about, you know, CBD and cannabis. So I wanted to actually see if this was something that, that could work for me. You know, I didn't like buying from, you know, mom and pops, you know, let's, <laughs> let, let's call them. Um, 
these brownies and stuff because it wasn't done in a controlled fashion, right? Where, you know, I didn't want to get high. I just wanted to feel better. Right. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love marijuana. I love to get high. <laughs> I'll be high all the time, but this is a different thing. You know, right. but I need to go to work. <laughs> right. And function. And function. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd be shocked how long you can stare at some broccoli or some cauliflower. <laughs> Chopping the waves, man. <laughs> what are you, you doing, know? James? <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> the carrot becomes a finger very quickly. <laughs> I didn't know that was a jelly, red jelly <laughs> sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it was red sauce in the carrots. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> you know, so um, when I started realizing it, is it that it feels as if you're, you know, for, you know, let's say for. For layman's terms, it feels like your entire body gets high, right? And when I say that, it mean, I, I feel that it relaxes your cells, it relaxes your muscles, causes your body time to rejuvenate, which is very important. Time to rest is very important for development of anything, right? Um, I feel it also does, you know, at, look, medical research aside, right? Let's just talk about what people are saying out there today. Um, great for insomnia, amazing for headaches, mm -hmm. great for pain, works on inflammation. So I don't really know. I, I kind of feel like it speaks for itself. And I can't wait for uh, medical research to continue and we can actually see the true benefits that cannabis provides. But in the meanwhile, I would like to be able to still provide a, a, a resource for those out there that do need this help and and you know mm -hmm. do suffer from these ailments so for the last four years i've been working on some great products uh now i'm really focusing on microdosing, so i like to stay somewhere around 10 milligrams per portion uh that way even if 10 milligrams is too strong for you you can actually do five i know I just, i've tasted some of your products <laughs> <laughs> and i was like boom yeah you've been a great guinea pig <laughs> 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 nah. way to stroke the ego anyway <laughs> Oh, and I tell you this, you didn't even feel anything. Right? Oh, <laughs> oh, this is red velvet. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, is this the red velvet red yeah, exactly. yeah, right. <laughs> It tastes good and it's good oh, for you. <laughs> you know, where else are you going to get Michelin grade <laughs> cannabis treats? I know. Yeah, exactly. And then that's also what made me start thinking about putting it in sauces and stuff. Because I would love to. I can't wait until we can consume on site. So we can do dinner parties, private parties, hosting. I know a lot of people are doing it. Have you? Because Chelsea Hanna did that. She has a show on Netflix. They did a whole cannabis party. I literally hired this chef, came in every single food was doused and created from hors d'oeuvres to first course to main course to dessert and the drinks and they were getting they were like but i mean that was they were on purposely doing that but i was like wow the whole like four courses of cannabis and they were smoking i was like oh not me Chelsea, call me. <laughs> call me. All you gotta do is pay for the flight and for the groceries. <laughs> and she loves black men. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love some Chelsea. <laughs> I'll be your sugar daddy, but not financially. Supply your need, girl. 
I'm dying to. You know what? I I, I, I kind of feel like we should. I, I kind of feel like the matches should kind of take it under their own wing, and basically host their own cannabis parties as long as they're willing to take the risk and hire chefs like me that are willing to do, uh, you know, the R and D and the creative aspect of things behind the scenes. And I, you know, hey, look, rave survived in New York for so long and made so many people rich. You know, why can't we do cannabis dinners? Right. <laughs> so the views and opinions here are not associated with Gene Smokers. <laughs> so I want to switch the conversation a little bit. So, like, what motivated you to be to be motivated you to be an entrepreneur? Because in a world of so many chefs, I mean, you can just easily go work in a restaurant. Like, why is it important for you to establish your own business? And specifically, you know, for a chef that's looking to create his own company. So, like, why is that important to you to break out into your own thing? So, to be honest, I feel like working for someone is part of your education. Right. Um, I feel like that's where you learn your skills. I feel like that's where you get to hone your craft under the watchful eye of people that are more experienced than you so that maybe one day you can go out on your own and do the same. Um, I believe that's a constant. I, I believe that it should be considered like part of the evolutionary cycle of your career. You go to school, then you work and you learn or you know while you're in school you study and you build your own brand and your own in your own thing that's yours and you go from there uh i don't really feel like working for someone should ever be considered to be someone's end all be all unless that's in your nature right so there are people that are in their that that it is in their nature where you know go union um and you know basically are what i consider lifers and they have, you know, great medical benefits. They have great savings packages. My overall thing is that you should always be looking to the future, right? I know my body. My body's not going to be able to maintain working like I'm 20 till I'm 50 feet. and 60. You know, there are weeks that I've done 80, 90, 100 hours. I've, I've cooked several days, 24 hours a day or 20 hours a day with two hours of rest in between. Um, it's not a sustainable wow. lifestyle as a worker um but i can also create an avenue where i can provide others education and skill where they can learn to be their own chef and follow in not necessarily my footsteps but in the footsteps of other business owners and one day it doesn't have to be not everything has to be multi-million dollar operations i do say that a lot of restaurant owners do make a decent salary you know and that's the way you should look at it now you're no longer working for someone else you're working for yourself i don't really think that there should be you know i think entrepreneur uh although this the 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 phrase is coined right but i kind of just feel like it's just you know human evolution just mm -hmm. pro progress you know just natural progression you know to be honest um I never really felt like I fit in the mold to be a worker bee. Um, I really don't like the politics and the attitude of working under certain people. Um, there was a very long time that there was an abused chef mentality where just because the chef was yelled at and had chefs and had chefs throw plates at them, that when they started running their kitchens, they started 
doing the same, same thing. thing. And <laughs> it's just not a healthy environment. I and just, I, I figured I could create my own environment. I just never understand that. Like, how is that productive or motivating people to be productive or to be a team like you have a whole team of people who want to work for you and they just want to be treated fairly so they can do more work for you and be noticed and like i just i just never understood that angry chef throwing the plate kind of attitude it's so unnecessary and it's not what you'll find in any of my operations and any place where i consult I do not condone that type of energy or attitudes or temperament. So there's two things I will I would love for you to share because I you know <laughs> well the first thing is because you mentioned it twice, why is teaching other chefs in your company and having them learn for you so they can go out and do their own things important to you? Because in my industry, anytime I ask questions, or it, when it, well, when I was coming up in the industry, <clears throat> anytime I asked questions, it was you know you're not paid to think, mm. you're paid to do, um, and I feel like that keeps you in a box, and that keeps the person above you protected, so that he, he never has to worry about losing his job to you. Uh, I really feel like sharing the love. And I, and, I, and I mean that in every single aspect of my life, share the love. Um, and you want to create, as a chef taught me one day, a dynasty mm. where basically, you know, you live a life as a pyramid, you know, and, you know, you are now, mm. once you reach the top of the pyramid and you can look down at all your splendor and glory and see that you've done something with your life mm -hmm. i would like there to be somewhat of a le legacy you know not for um ego but mostly so that i can say that my time on this earth was valuable you made a difference to someone yes so another reason why creating a dynasty or what else i like to call it is a legacy is because you know i have two children boys and i went through so much in my life you know and i my father was present in my development and my raising uh but he was a worker he was more into you know just do what the man tells you do your job and i didn't really you know that was that worked out great for him he's a, you know he was a great stair maker um but i would like to show my children that you can be the person telling people what to do. Uh, and it doesn't have to be necessarily in my field. And that's why I'm trying to leave, you know, a decent enough company where, you know, at least they'll have the capital to decide whatever they want to do. But just as long as they know that they have to look forward and not just in the present, you know, and that's another, you know, that's the number one thing because being an entrepreneur is about making plans. It's about organizing your life. It's about organizing your business. Uh, I think if you translate that to your personal life, if you organize yourself, you create a plan, you create a vision, uh, you do um, actionable plans, uh, you set up deadlines for yourself. You know, don't be OCD. It's not about, you know, I mean, yeah, look, I'll tell you this. I go home at night and I don't sleep a lot. I am constantly writing stuff down. I'm constantly trying to reinvent myself and make myself better. I am always striving to be a better person, a better individual. So 
that's what makes me a decent entrepreneur. I can't promise that for everybody, but I can at least teach my kids the basics and the fundamentals. And, you know, if it doesn't work out for them, then they can choose their own path. Right. You know, if they want to be creative spirits and, you know, fly through the life like a butterfly, guess what? Butterflies look beautiful doing it. <laughs> Go for it. Fly, butterfly, fly. <laughs> All right. I love that. Um, I'm going to ask you another question, though. Um, so what are some common mistakes that you see other chefs doing? And because for me as a coach, and I'm learning how to be a business coach as well, and I see we, we both have mutual friends that are chefs. I look on their Instagram, especially as a person who is very visually inclined <laughs> to, you know, photography. And I see a lot of chefs like make these mistakes of not really putting full thought of what into their presenting to the world and they establish themselves as a business and not really fully thinking in their platform. So that's some of the common mistakes I see. So what are the common mistakes you see as an entrepreneur chef that you see other chefs make all the time? And it's like a big no-no. We we're, we might have to start another podcast. <laughs> but I know yeah. you can shake your what head. What chefs do? <laughs> what chefs do not I'll do? Tell you this. I'll tell you this. Uh, so, I mean, we're going to start off from the smallest to the largest. Yeah, that's okay. that's <laughs> I, yes, that's good. <laughs> All right. So now the first thing I think a lot of chefs do is that they don't take themselves seriously. Okay. But. Then there's also chefs that take themselves too seriously. Like, like, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So I think we need to find a happy median, okay? Mm-hmm. I think um, there's a lot of chefs that, you know, look at themselves as artists when they're really just doing it for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you look at other food photos and you look at yours... <laughs> <laughs> Hands. <laughs> yeah, I just want you to be able to tell the difference, you right. know. And I would like you to be able to say, "Oh, maybe the lighting is off, or maybe those colors clash, right? You know, or maybe you know, just step back and be your own worst critic, okay? Stop looking at it and say, "Oh my God, this is so beautiful." Man, it's literally just eight things mashed together. And, 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 I, you know, I, I'm so glad you said that. As a, as a, we have a mutual friend that's a chef, and I, and you know, we both. I told her I was a photographer, and you know, blah blah blah. And I looked at her page, and I, I saw her in any event, and I said, "Hey, can I offer you something for your photography?" And I said, "One of the key things with your photography is the lighting." Um, mm-hmm. window light is some of the best yes. light and when you're at events and you're shooting under that, that fluorescent <laughs> lighting which, well, I would say which is fine however there are apps like um, there's an app called Afterlight which is a very professional app that will counterbalance that fluorescent, fluorescent light to make that photo look more natural. I would say, chefs, if you're gonna post things from your events, 
learn how to edit. Okay, well, I, got a, I got another thing, right? So I, you know, I take some photos here and there at other events, but I make sure I give credit to who I'm working for. Okay, this ain't your event. Stop it. Thank you. This is right. not your food. There's a guy in the office that makes six figures to create those dishes. Then guess what? All the ingredients Stop come out. All you gotta that. do is put it on a plate. Okay, you know, and guess what? You know, because you work for somebody else that's telling you what to do step by step that does not mean that you've gained the accreditation that's not your creation it's not you baby i'm sorry (laughs) we need to pull back and guess what look i'm not saying that it can't be you right but then you need to take yourself a little bit more seriously okay once again we've gotten caught into that mold where we're just getting stuck following what somebody else is telling us to do what you need to do is say this dish would have been better if I, and then go home and do recreate that yes. dish and take some money out your pocket and pay this phenomenal man, Jimmy Allen, <laughs> some real money. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, that's another thing that I find that a lot of chefs, they don't invest back into themselves, invest them back into the creation to make it look good. I mean, really like creating beautiful photos on your phone, particularly, does not take a lot of effort. Especially when there's so many YouTube channels, especially when there's so many photographers who who are willing to bump up their portfolio, they are willing to, hey, let's work together. That's it. I mean, how do you expect to get followers with dim light? I can understand, you know, and, and let's, you know, let's make it fun. You know, like if you look, I get it. If you don't want to do all the, like all the, the editing, so on and so forth, throw some filters on it. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> throw some shadow, you know, let's yeah. make your plate go slow motion. Right. Do something to take my mind off the fact that your plate look monotone. All right? right. You know, and the only reason, like I post a lot of stories from, uh, from events because, when I'm at my events, I'm way too busy or my clients make me sign NDAs or I'm just not, it's not the right place for me to be doing it. But if I'm working for somebody else and I'm already rocking out and I'm already a rock star, you know, you got a business owner being a cook at your company, yeah, we're going to take some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's throw it in my contract. James is going to take up some stories because he's not taking himself that seriously right now because he takes himself so seriously other times. But the, I say that to say you need to start focusing on branding. Branding is your number one thing. If you don't start branding yourself as your product, everything that you put up, everything you do is a reflection of you and your value of a chef, right? Now, if uh, if you put in these plates up on Instagram that somebody else has done and you put in up hashtag my food, hashtag chef life, hashtag, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so tired, right? <laughs> is that a hashtag? Yeah. <laughs> you know? If you're doing that, then, you know, then at least try to market yourself as a worker that you so you can get more freelance work from other people, you know, and say, hey, I do 300 people regularly by myself all day. No sleep. You know, okay, yeah, go boss, for it. Boss at the the, the the table. I don't know, boss at the uh, proofer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Make your own world. It doesn't have to be a company. You could be the salad king, right? right? And every single salad that, that you play, that's it. Toss Toss that's 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 I'll tell you, yo, I know a lot of people make a lot of money tossing some salad. <laughs> There are different types of Sometimes, entrepreneurs. Yeah. <laughs> Another podcast. <laughs> so what else are some of the mistakes? Uh, um, 
I think, uh, look, so I, I'll speak about something that I really went through that was pretty traumatic and, and, and difficult for me to overcome. Um, now, there's a lot of banter that goes on in kitchens. There's a lot of hazing that goes on in some types of kitchens. I don't care if it's not yours, right? You know, somebody's listening and saying, that's not my kitchen. Okay, but it does exist. It is part of the culture, and we need to speak about it and change it. Um, I used to have a chef that I looked up to, mentored me, um, brought me into this amazing restaurant. It was part of a very luxury brand hotel, but it, I mean, it was on the rooftop of a luxury brand hotel, but it was actually independently owned. Um, so I was very grateful for the opportunity. I had just had my second son. Um, so, you know, money was tight, just moved into a grand new apartment up in White Plains in the middle of the city, you know, and uh, this person that I looked up to, whenever he would get disappointed in me, Right, which seemed to be quite often, and I didn't really understand. I think it was a lot of jealousy. I think that maybe I was on a pedestal that was unnecessary or whatever. But regardless, you know, he would walk by me and punch me in the ribs and say, "Why are you cooking like a nigger?" Nah. Right, and I said, you know, it took a while to register because you know, <laughs> friends don't hurt friends, right? You know, right? Was he really your yeah, friend? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. You know, so you know, and at this time, I was trying to make that transition from you know. Growing up in inner city, handling things uh, the old-fashioned way with a good old round of fisticuffs, you know, like <laughs> I, you know, like what Eminem said, you know, whatever happened to a good old-fashioned, passionate ass whooping? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, I was coming into a world of corporate America. I didn't understand why I was being spoken to like this. I was trying my best. I was pushing. Um, but what it did do was it pushed me to fight harder. It made me stronger, not because he motivated me. It made me angry. And I never want to be in a position where somebody would feel the right to be able to talk to me like that. Mm. Um, and I, you know, raising two young black men and with a word that has such a strong stigma behind it, um, you know, words hurt sometimes. You know, it didn't hurt me. It made me angry. But, you know, it did affect Maybe how I would have been in my career, maybe how serious I would have taken that restaurant, uh, maybe how much longer I would have stayed. Um, you know, maybe I would have, you know, become the chef if this chef that was there at this time, you know, didn't try to belittle me at every single second that he, he really had. You up under your wing. You know, if he if he had molded me, if he had embraced me, and if he had tried to make me better, you know, then maybe I, you know, maybe, you know, him and I could have opened something now. Right. You know, I'm not going to, look and look, okay, nigger word aside, I'm not going to coin this guy as a racist. Um, I think that he was insensitive. I think that he was ignorant. I think that, you know, maybe he was trying to get a rise out of me the best way he thought. Uh, It wasn't the proper way. Um, But I find that that dynamic and that energy has no place in today's society. Right. Let's go. And um, so talk to me about some fears or some things you had to overcome, because I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs or chefs have fears of making that leap have fears of like putting down 10 grand to like open up the business like what were some of the fears that you bumped up against and you just like you know what this is what i'm passionate about i'm just gonna keep going for it you really have to uh, i'll tell you this in regards of anything you have to face your fears because being an entrepreneur is terrifying every single day 
right? Because there are so many things that are not in your control. Um, there are a lot of things that are not in your power and things just happen, right? And you just have to understand that, you know, you, uh, you are, you know, it's just, it's just going to happen. You know, the health department is going to show up <laughs> and, you know, they may shut you down, which, you know, a friend of mine's restaurant was just shut down recently. You know, thank God that he had a great, strong team behind him that went in every day, rectified all the situations and was able to reopen in a timely fashion. Right. And if he, if he was an asshole, them people probably would never show up. Exactly. You know, if he was going around punching people in the ribs, calling them nigger, you know, let's see if they show up. Let's see. Exactly. You know, don't hope the store don't hit you with a good Lord split you. You know, um, you know, my fear is, you know, I, I come from a world of, you know, you're only as good as your last dish. Mm-hmm. Um, any critic or anybody can, you know, have your food and, you know, not like it. Um, that's terrifying. You know, uh, it takes me a very long time to conceptualize a lot of stuff. Um, I'm very meticulous. Uh, well, that's me talking about how I counteract those fears. But, um, you know, uh, you know, I just have to stay one step ahead. And it's also very difficult because... It's all you, you know, unless you're relying on a big board and you have a, you know, a huge team, you know, a lot of it just comes down to you. You're responsible for the level of your success. And I think that deters a lot of people from actually doing what they should be doing, because at the end of the day, it is terrifying to know that you can't blame anybody else but yourself. Yeah. You know, I dated someone who's a chef (laughs) and super talented. I mean, gosh, he... He was self-taught, didn't go to school. He he I mean his pastries was amazing. His salads was amazing. Like he can he literally can cook any and everything. <clears throat> and I was just like, why don't you open a restaurant? He just he's like, I don't want the responsibility, which mm-hmm. is one of the big things that you know a lot of chefs would do. And I was like, Well, you have all this amazing talent, you have all these connections. You know, just create the menu and just, you're just the owner. He's like, no, 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 I, I don't want to do that. And, but there's just such a lot of blockage that he had that, I mean, I mean, I don't know what he's doing today, but he just, he was just so talented. He was also like, was sought it out for this Michelin star um, restaurant in Washington. And he didn't take it. He took this restaurant here locally because he really wanted to create something ground up. So he is creating and rebuilding restaurants is something that he would do for himself in his own restaurant but it's that fear of like going for it like taking what you know and really just planting your foot on the ground so what is what i mean you know how do you keep planting your foot on the ground what are some of the things that keeps you going keeps you motivated like what inspires you to keep going and keep motivated? I mean, to be honest with you, you know, the fact that I have, and I say it again, the fact that I have two great boys that I really would like to leave something for is really inspiring and motivating. Um, I will never not invest in myself for success. I feel like just because, you know, I grew up in an inner city with an inner city education. Mm-hmm. Um, for some schools, that's good. In my school, you know, we didn't learn about entrepreneurship. You know, that was never something that was that was uh, a focus. Um, I think if people really thought about how easy it is for you to even just classify yourself as a business, 
um, and you take it seriously, you know, like you actually have accountants look at your books, uh, you actually, you know, have a mission statement, you actually um, have a goal of where you'd like to go. Uh, that's the way I keep myself rooted and grounded is the fact that I can't afford to fail. Um, I refuse to go backwards. Um, I don't really see there being a possibility of an out for me. Uh, I was, you know, you know, it's not, it's not the, it's not the dog in the fight. It's the fight in the dog. Um, and thank God, you know, you know, the way I grew up, I took all of that inner city gangster, um, <laughs> you know, running from gunshots and, you know, running from cops to, you know, running headstrong into the flames, you know, pushing myself further, uh, uh, rising to the expectations of these demanding clients, um, and always, you know, pushing that bar and building that bar. You know, I'll tell you this. One thing I learned, you know, because I still go back to the same hood where I grew up every once in a while. And I still see the same people there. And none of them invested in themselves. Nobody used that same mentality to push and get out of school. I remember I was even hustling when I was uh, when I was in um, culinary school. And I would, I would be up all night. And I, my first class was my, my culinary class is 7 a.m. And I would walk into the class and the chef would say to me, he was like, yo, you look horrible. Like, you look terrible. You know, go home. You know, don't even come into class. And I was just like, shit, you know, but I really want to be good, you know, but I need to pay for school. You know, I don't know another way to pay for school, you know, and then I started looking into other avenues, you know, okay, maybe I need to get a regular job. Okay, go get a regular job, you know, and then pay for school that way. And, you know, it just keeps on, you know, there are people that see hurdles and you know they go around them and then there's people that see hurdles and they actually go right over them and then it's me that you know i don't care how many hurdles i gotta run through i'm gonna finish the race <laughs> run, run, <laughs> yeah i jump over that yeah that's right <laughs> i'm gonna go battle all through like you know? a ball that's right <laughs> i'm the juggernaut bitch <laughs> Yeah, I I just can't, you know, and then you look, you know, and especially in a world like catering, right, where I I also freelance so often um, and I work side by side with all these people that are not doing anything, but they look at you and they hope to God that you freaking fail. And I refuse to fucking fail, you know, and I look at them and I, you know, and and they hear, you know, they'll overhear you talking to somebody, you know, and they always want to take things as bragging. But, yo, can't you just be proud of yourself and actually just tell people that you work with? Hey, this is what I'm doing. If you'd like to be a part of it. But no, you don't see anybody being open. Right. right. Mm. You know, and, and I see them every day and it's just like, you know what, you know, I know you want me to fail. I'm not going to, you know, and then I see the ones that, you know, yo, look, yo, James, man, yo, you know what? I'm really proud of you. You're doing the right thing. You know, and it's just like, you know what? Thank you. Cause then that's my fuel to keep on barreling over those motherfuckers that they didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm hearing now is you're you're very relentless, you're being very relentless, being very determined, being very open, being creative and just being collaborative to like any and every opportunity that you see fit for your business. Exactly. There's so much money out there. We could all make money right. together or apart. Yeah, yes. exactly. Especially in New York. You know, we're not from a small town. 
uh, you right. know, with 5,000 people and no economic value. Right. We're in one of the epicenters of the world. Um, and at the end of the day, I don't really know why we have to be jealous. Why can't we eat together? And you know what? If you're not going to eat, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the food off your plate and I'm going to eat that too. <laughs> you know, if you're not going to take that money, I will. You know, right. if, you know, because at the end of the day, guess what? If you just want to spend your money on drugs, I got clothes I got to buy for my kids. <laughs> you know, you know, I got a college I got a college career that I got to look forward to for two. You know, right. and then hopefully more. You know, in the future. You know what I mean? Right. But at the end of the day, you know, it, I. I see so many people cry and feel sorry for themselves, you know, and I don't know why you would feel sorry for yourself when you can't just alter your mind. You know, all you have to do is just alter your mind and overcome. Right. You know, it's so easy. If that was the case, there are so many cultures throughout the world that would not be a major society today. Right. Okay. And like what I mean, like good point where you just said, like what really holds people back is the limiting beliefs that they have in themselves that they can't do it, or you know they, you know, like the chef that you know hits you in the ribs, they that can easily derail someone because they may have taken that as I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. so they're carrying it throughout this whole journey as a chef. Like, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Well, I'm not good enough. I can't open my own business. And that moment could have easily derailed that. But with you, it really almost set a fire under you to keep going and keep motivating yourself and being determined um, to to succeed. You know what else? I, you know what else pushes me to succeed is the fact that I see so many people come from outside of New York and not make it in New York. Right. You know, and I, if you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere. And I, I watch them come and they think they're big men and then they leave. Right. You know, they're big boys and girls and then they go. Right. You know, and I'm like, you know what? This is my city. This is my home. I'm going to make it, you know, and then then I'm going to go. You know, then I'm going to go like I am to Provincetown, you know, and um, the, re- the reception that we're receiving out there is phenomenal. And I can't wait to bring great products up there. Ineffable Catering is going to be still operating, um, you know, doing catering and consulting in New York. Um, you know, hopefully we can start doing, uh, you know, the goal is to actually have a regionally based business mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, several hubs and epicenters. And we actually operate, you know, cohesively. <laughs> Can you share the funniest or most interesting moments um, by being a chef? Huh. Yo, you know, I'll tell you this, man. It's, it's interesting moments is that, you know, like, if you live the chef lifestyle the way Marco Pierre White wanted us to live the lifestyle, the way Anthony Bourdain used to live the lifestyle, you know, rest in peace. Uh, you know, we're rock stars, man. You know, it, we're... You know, we're the reason why people get drunk and well fed. You know? <laughs> oh, I you know, know that's right. You know, I, I remember when, like, working in White Plains, the restaurant that we worked in was so prestigious that we would go into bars and everybody would be like, yo, there goes those guys from up there. You know, mm-hmm. and we'd be like, yeah, it's different up there. That was the slogan at the time, you know, and we would go out and we would get pissed drunk not that i condone or say (laughs) that this is a good culture that we you know that we have but it was a great form of camaraderie that we got to go out after work after basically slaying the town you know we may have flown a a celebrity in that morning and you know and had somebody from you know a prince from here but now we're here hanging out together drinking enjoying ourselves just to do it all over again but there was a funny one where uh me and my partner 
you know, uh, so basically I was, you know, a sous chef and my buddy was the captain on the floor, right? And uh, we went out and we got pissed drunk. We drove on the hood of a car while somebody was driving the car, right? (laughs) And when we walked into work the next day, we were both a mess, right? And he said to me, What's, you know, where are you going to be working tonight? And I said, I'm working on the fish station. He says, I'm not ordering fish, and nobody on the floor is ordering fish all night. Yeah. And then he said, what station is the dickhead that keeps on calling you a nigga working? And I said, he's over there on meat. He says, everybody's getting bison. <laughs> <laughs> and all I heard that night was the machine go, ting, to the day, to the day, to the day. It wasn't mine. It was his. And the guy was in the weeds, crying, cursing, burning himself. The same guy who was hitting you? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was karma. That was, exactly. That was the funniest moment. So we're coming to the end here. So I asked some quick questions that I ask everyone. Um, So what does a life of love look like to you? Yeah, honestly, I think your slogan is the perfect slogan. I like crazy, juicy love. I know you do. I like, you know... yeah, I, I believe that uh, down and dirty is the great is the it's the fastest way to the heart. You know, oh, honestly, I just think it goes hand in hand. I think love, I think love and emotions and sex all go hand in hand. I don't think we pay enough attention to sex. No, I'm not a sexaholic. I just think that if it's strong enough for us to make a human out of it, that I, and for us to feel such forms of euphoria and pleasure that it should be discussed it should be felt it should be appreciated it should be loved it should be swallowed it should be put on your face you should put it everywhere (laughs) (laughs) and thank you jay Uh, uh, how does food influence its love for you i mean cooking is a passion creating uh you know these dishes that only live until they're consumed Mm. right it's the most fleeting form of art that you can actually do. You know, like an artist paints a painting, right? I don't care how long it takes him to make that painting because it probably takes us just as long to conceptualize a dish. Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, but we have to constantly create all these different paintings that will never live in a gallery. You know, they won't be up in a museum. They will be appreciated, consumed, and forgotten about. But it still holds part of an experience that is greater than anything else. Mm. And I think that's the same thing as love is for its sight, right? Because, you know, it's the same... it's a feeling that makes you want to come back for more, mm. right? So the same way you look at your partner, it's the same way I look at a plate. You know, I look at it and I want more and I want to do something more. Mm. You know, the same way you want to dress your partner up and take them shopping and do fabulous stuff for them. I want to do the same thing too for my food. I want to buy beautiful plates. I want to put beautiful colors on it. I want it to <laughs> sharkle and shine, you know? Mm. It's the same thing. It's the same relationship. So you got to put it hand in hand. Yeah. So what does crazy juicy love mean to you? Oh, looks like to you. Yo, I mean, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's so funny, right? Because it, I've spent so much time studying love, sex, interaction, <laughs> passion, feelings, sensations, everything from, you know, vanilla to kink, um, from spiritual to sensual. Um, the, so there's so many different ways we could look at it crazy as in you know a it's crazy that it exists it's crazy the feelings that you feel from love um it's crazy um the level of happiness and enjoyment that it creates uh but it's also crazy how your bodies move together it's crazy how your muscles react to climax it's crazy how sweaty 
you get and enjoy each other's sweat. Whereas <laughs> if somebody shakes your hand with a sweaty hand, you you kind of get a little, you know, you get a little skeeved out, you know, <laughs> but yeah, you could bathe in each other's glow, you know, um, juicy because honestly, yo, if it's not wet, it's not best. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I don't, uh, want, I don't want my chicken dry. I don't want my steak dry. I don't want my love dry. I don't want my love juicy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, I want it all to be filled with love. Mm. You know, so I think that's where it all comes down to. And last question um, What piece of advice or inspiration that you can pass down to a chef that really wants to go for it, that has something that has inspired you that you can pass out to someone else? I definitely would say, A, it's your network, not your net worth, right? And your network is your net worth, right? So make sure you talk to people, get to know people, make friends like Jimmy and I have become, you know? <laughs> you never know how fabulous you're going to be right. one day, you know? It, it's a, you know? And we really use each other, not in a bad way, but like use each other's talent to like elevate each other. We're really there for each other. We like basically in, in the partnership a lot of ways. Yeah. No, it's like literally, it's like a bicycle, you know? You, you know, I push you, I elevate no, you. You, know? Hey, <laughs> you know, and we, <laughs> you know, I'm always late. You're like, bitch, you need to get it together. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, and, and honestly, I wouldn't even have known what I was capable of if it wasn't for you. And I'm so appreciative <laughs> of how far you've been able to help catapult my business, my career, my food, my company, oh. even though none of your photos are up on my website because <laughs> my web designer is extremely lazy. Um, uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know? And then also, another thing that I think a lot of chefs need to know is that you need to push yourself all right uh you don't need a chef yelling at you listen to the inner chef inside your heart mm. and um you know set a goal for yourself and push for it you know and don't take no as an answer you know what i mean if you don't want to 86 anything on your menu don't 86 your career or your passion mm. i love that here you go uh, right. off the top and where can people find you online um www.ineffablenyc.com uh, I N E F F A B L E N Y C dot com. Uh, also on Instagram at ineffable I N E F F A B L E I N C N Y C. Uh, and LinkedIn, James M A K I N S, Akins. Okay, it's not pronounced Akins. There's no T. Okay, two vowels go walking. The first I one does the it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, James, I really, really, really appreciate you being on the show, and I got so much value out of being here with you, and I learned so much. <laughs> I get to know you more and more every day, and I'm yes. so that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to acknowledge you for just being who you are. Just, again, like, your relentless, your determination, like, how hungry you are, and for me, that's really motivating for that and that's why I probably push you because I know how hungry you are, how much you want to succeed. And I want to keep those relationships alive around me. Um, and I love seeing your growth and your products. I mean, they're so beautiful and I can't wait to shoot these beautiful treats because yeah. they're just like... And these treats are all CBD. So if anybody's interested in CBD products, while we're in New York, Purple Goat, uh, 
we'll, we'll figure out an Instagram, but search for Purple Goat CBD. You'll find me by then. Um, and uh, let me know whatever you need and whatever anybody's interested in. Yes, and thank you for being on the show, James. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, so don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Jimmy Allen with Crazy Juicy Love. Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy, juicy love? Well, I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram, you DM me and say, you listen to this podcast, and I will offer you a discount on a seven-week session. Crazy, juicy love.